is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. This is Jimmy Scroggins, lead pastor at Family Church here with Steve Wright, Family Church executive pastor and our right-hand man around here, concluding our series on multi-site church for the rest of us. We've talked a lot about getting hooks in the water, and so far we've talked about traditional launches or a launch large strategy. We've talked about strategic partnerships and mergers. We've talked about seed churches, but today we're going to cover our last big hook, and that's helping to plant autonomous churches. These are churches that we are partnering with who are not a part of family church. They're not a campus. They're an autonomous, independent church. All right. So autonomy, a big subject around the country. And a lot of people have different opinions about autonomy and the importance. And so you can really get into uh, some good conversations about that. Jimmy, one of the things that we're trying to do here in South Florida, we've said that we want to plant 100 churches and behind closed doors and actually publicly, you've confessed that what we actually need to do to turn back lostness here in South Florida is we need to plant thousands and thousands of churches. That's so right. It really, it really doesn't matter to us so much as, you know, uh, this one way of planting churches. I mean, there, there's multiple ways for us to plant churches. And obviously, planting autonomous churches is something that we have done and that we've had success with and we support. And so today we're going to be talking about that. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to come alongside churches. We want to partner with churches. We want to have strategic partnerships with churches, and we want to see them flourish and survive. Well, Steve, we really have to. If we're going to see thousands of churches planted, the likelihood that you and I are going to lead our team to literally plant thousands of churches in this area in the remaining years we have left in ministry is very remote. We are going to have to be able to encourage hundreds of other church planting churches to do this that are not family church. I mean, once again, if you look at the book of Acts, where this whole party got started when it comes to church planting, we see that uh, these churches, they started in the book of Acts, had some distinctions. They had some disagreements. They had some things that one church did differently from other churches. And yet in these newly formed churches, when the movement of Christianity was brand new, there was tremendous support between the churches, one church supporting the other, the apostles being supported by the churches and supporting the churches. And what you see in the Bible, in the New Testament, Steve, is you see established churches funding and strengthening new churches. And that's a mandate and a pattern that we want to follow here at Family Church. Well, Jimmy, you know, you and I see a lot of guys, we we call them parachute planters. I mean, these guys come in and man, they they have a lot of gusto and a lot of fight. And I mean, a lot of drive. And, you know, a lot of times they come find their way to our offices. And one of the first things that we try to do is talk them out of it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, in South Florida, it, it can be very difficult. But these guys really have a lot of resolve about them and a lot of drive and they have a sense of calling they have a sense of calling it's really neat but you know coming here in to plant in south florida is it's not too different than other places in the country it it requires a lot of risk and you know before we really dive into that jimmy um, i know you've you've been in positions where you've had people dared you and you've had to take risk talk to us a little bit about that well steve if i 
talked about the different dares that I have taken, it would not be appropriate for this podcast. So <laughs> Is this PG or PG-13? Yeah, let's just go on to the next issue. Let's talk about the risk that we actually entail yeah, when we to try to about, plant these churches. Talk to us about it. Yeah, well, you know, when you try to plant an autonomous church, you're not in control. You are not the boss of these pastors. You're not going to be responsible or really have oversight of their finances you're just encouraging them and helping to fund them. There are some significant risks. Uh, one, you have a risk of uh, these guys getting into false teaching. So we have had experience with uh, church planners who started off. They appeared orthodox. They seemed like they were on the same page with us and our movement in terms of our doctrine. But after they've been funded and after they've been equipped and kind of put out there, uh, it comes out later, you know what? They've gone a whole different direction theologically, and in terms of their preaching and what their church is standing for, it's no longer really a church we're able to partner with. And we've had to break off partnerships. We haven't broken off friendships with those guys, but we've had to break off uh, partnerships because we don't share uh, enough doctrinal common ground to remain in in a partnership. And that's a risk. You know, that's one of the things I like as we do our multi-site strategy and we work within our network is we can help to make sure uh, that Minimize. we're all holding one another accountable. Right. Um, they're holding me accountable as well for our preaching, our teaching, and our doctrine. And that's uh, very explicit in the New Testament. Another, another risk is a risk of a poor stewardship of resources. Sometimes you can uh, have church planners that are raising, if they're good at it, they could be raising literally millions of dollars over a four to six year period. And we could be contributing significant uh, dollars to these church plants from our church or through our networks. And then they could do some foolish things. I, I know uh, one time we were helping to plant a church and the church planter who's asking for money and barnstorming churches trying to raise funds. I said, well, where are you going? Where are you, where are you going next? Oh, I'm taking our whole team to Dubai. Why are you taking your team to Dubai? Oh, we're just trying to see what God's doing over in Dubai. And I'm thinking, gosh, that's got to cost tens of thousands of dollars to take a team to Dubai. And you're sitting here asking me for money to help you plant a church and somehow you've got enough money to go to Dubai. I've never been to Dubai. <laughs> so, I want to so, go. Yeah. So sometimes you see guys just make foolish decisions, or maybe they'll invest, you know, in super nice T-shirts or the, the trinkets that they buy, the Jesus junk they buy to pass out, whatever. And so we want to help them try to figure out, you know, good stewardship. But when you plan an autonomous church, that's just a risk that you have to accept. There's also the risk of loss of influence. And Steve, I like you to comment on this, and because when you plant an autonomous church, uh, that pastor, that leadership team can go any direction they want. And you can try to call them and try to stay around them, but you can lose influence. And we've actually learned some of this from some friends that we have at some very large churches, not Southern Baptist churches, but large churches around the country. Yeah. So, you know, we, you and I were part of a cohort of some of the faster growing uh, multi-site churches. And one of the gentlemen that we met, he was a pastor at Mana Church up in Fayetteville, North oh, Carolina. Yeah. And really great they, church and a great guy. I mean, they're like literally worldwide. They're they planting really churches are. and they're doing a lot of they're great on fire. jobs. I remember one time you and I had breakfast with, with he and his staff. And one of the things that he shared, you know, here's a guy in his late fifties looking back over his career. And he said, one of the, one of the things that he regrets the most was he released and let his churches get autonomous too quick because right. what 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 happened in several cases or a few cases with his churches when they began to have a little bit of uh, some issues, he was not in a position of influence where he could speak into the life of that church, and yeah. they've invested and they had moral issues and ethical issues, and they wouldn't hear him. Well, he would like to help. He would like right. to rescue the church, right? But now that they were autonomous, he couldn't. They couldn't speak into it. So that was a very real. 
I think I think that was actually really good for you and I to hear. Oh man, it was really powerful. And then of course we know the risk of failure because sometimes you invest in a church, you invest in a planner, you do the best you can, but you sit there and you just kind of watch their church disintegrate right, and right. go down the drain. Not because of any moral failure. There's not a moment where they fail, but you can just see they're not building the right kind of not momentum. Not getting traction. No, they're losing momentum and you're right. just watching this like it's in slow motion, wishing you could reach in and help, but you can't because you're not that guy's boss. Well, Jimmy, a lot of times churches, as you know, you're sitting trying to just run through your day-to-day life and then you get a phone call and email and it's a church planner saying, hey, would you support us? Oh, right. daily. <laughs> right. So so there's a request. And so like at Family Church, what are, what are some of the things that we're looking for for the churches, the autonomous churches that we want to support? Well, Family Church is a little bit unique, Steve, because as you know, we made a decision years ago in terms of our external support, we are going to support churches that are being planted in South Florida. So we're aiming all of our guns at the South Florida mission field. So guys email me from San Diego and from Boise, Idaho and from Vancouver, and I'm 100% in favor of them planting these churches and I will cheer for them and help any way I can. But in terms of our financial support and our hands-on coaching, we're going to level all of our efforts here at South Florida. And then we're going to work around the country through our national networks like the North American Mission Board around the world, through our partnership with the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so we're going to South Florida. Now, once you say, yeah, I'm coming to South Florida, then we're looking at mainly theological issues. And so we want to make sure that these church plants and these church planters understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's crucified on the cross for the sins of the world. He's been raised from the dead. If anyone will repent and believe the gospel, they can be saved. So we want to find people who believe the gospel, who are committed to sharing the gospel, and who are committed to inviting people to come to Christ. Uh, Then, you know, we want to make sure that we defend the authority of the Bible. We want people who are committed to the scriptures as 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 their source and as their authority for everything that they're believing in everything that they're doing. So those two things are really important. Okay. So those are a lot of the things, Jimmy, that we're really looking for, looking to see, but there's a lot of things that people differ on, right? So there's people have a lot of different opinions. They do. So walk us through some of those things that, you know, really aren't that big of a deal for us. Well, if we're going to support an autonomous church plant, for instance, they don't have to do the same thing with their membership process as we do. Maybe they have a different view of membership or different requirements for membership or whatever. And that's totally fine. Maybe they have a different ministry Focus. You know, we work hard at uh, personal evangelism and we work hard at church planting and we're hard at kind of family oriented ministry. But there are some churches who focus on social justice issues, like maybe they're really they're really leveling all their guns at the poor or they're really trying to uh, work for modern day slavery to try to end it, whatever it is. And so we understand that different churches have different kind of points of emphases and ways that they specifically apply the gospel in their context. Look, sometimes churches can have whatever name they want. We don't care what the name is when we're planning a church. We don't care so much about their specific polity. Some of us have more, you know, all of our churches would be kind of congregationally oriented, but that can take a lot of different forms. We think there's a lot of room to run there. Uh, What time they meet, what day of the week they meet, or it could be something as really non-essential as where they go to student camp or what kind of music they play or the style of dress that they wear when they come to services or whether they're a, a donut in the four-year church or a no donut in the four-year like church. Jelly-filled donuts. Jelly-filled just... cream donuts. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, there's just a lot of things right. that really don't matter. And honestly, there's a very few things that do. But I will say this, Steve, 
we are committed in South Florida to planting churches in our own tribe. And so our tribe and our network, our primary network of our church is the Southern Baptist Convention. And so we are planting churches through an organization called the Florida Baptist Convention and the North American Mission Board. And so our partnerships with these organizations, that's who we are supporting, and those are the churches that we're helping to plant. So, Jimmy, you're a young church planner, and you're Baptistic in your, you know, belief and doctrine. And uh, talk to us a little bit about what these these states and the North American Mission Board have to offer, because I think those yeah. are resources that our listeners would be interested. Well, in. th- these these organizations are crucial because one, they do offer funding. But mostly they offer assessment. So before a church planner actually goes to the field, they work with that church planner. If he's married, they work with his wife. If he has kids, they work with his kids to assess them and make sure that they're psychologically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually ready to take on the tremendous challenge of planting a church in an urban and difficult and diverse environment like South Florida. They also offer, they do offer significant funding between the Florida Baptist Convention and the North American Mission Board. Uh, They also offer network, and so they have different get-togethers locally and nationally where these church planters can be networked with other church planters that are like them, that are experiencing the same things that they are, support for their wives, support for their families. And so I think all of these things, not to mention all kinds of demographic research and all kinds of research support that these organizations can give. So I think partnering through these networks is crucial to a church planner. And frankly, we wouldn't support a church planner who wasn't partnering through these networks because we think they're that valuable. Well, that, that, you know, assessment process that they have is really second to none. And really it, it, it's intense. It, it's really intense and it's very helpful. Jimmy, you know, a lot of times when church planners come and meet with us, a lot of them will roll out, you know, the red carpet, take us to eat, whatever. And re- really what they are after, they, they want us to send them money, right? Well, they say prayer. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we need your prayer and money. Right. right? And so we're really, you know, obviously, you know, we do know that they need us to pray for them and that they, it does unfortunately cost a lot of money. So we want to have that, those conversations, but really it involves a lot more than that. It, it does. really, it really involves a, a whole scheme if that church is going to get up on plane and, and be effective. So talk to us a little bit about some of the other things that are also important as we work and support church plants. Well, I don't, I don't want to downplay the financial angle of it because church plants do need money. If you're going to do, especially a launch large church plant, you've got to fund your pastor, you've got to fund your staff, you've got to fund your ministry activities. So that is certainly part of it. And we want to be a part of that in that way. But in addition to that, look, uh, we've talked before on a previous podcast, Steve, about the mammalian model of reproduction versus the reptilian model of reproduction. You know, mammals have live young, they birth them, and then generally they care for their young and nurture them to independence. Right. And that's kind of the model that we've embraced. We want to help launch new churches, and then we want to help care for them until they can truly be independent on their own. The reptilian model is a different way. Uh, the, you, you go down here to the beach on, on our beaches here in Palm Beach County, they're, they're full of turtle eggs right now. They're all lined off and roped off where you can't touch them. And uh, they lay, you know, hundreds and thousands of eggs every night. And then those turtles start hatching and wandering toward the sea and a relatively small percentage of them ever make it. And most of them die. And some reptiles even eat their own young. And so that is not the model. We're, we're, we, we do not embrace the model of just just throw a lot of eggs out there and hope some of them make it. We want to nurture new churches 
until they're able to be independent and on their own. Jimmy, one of the things that we talk a lot about really is, you know, posturing ourselves in humility. Yes. And so that's really important and really position ourselves as learners. And one one of the things that I know you have a heartbeat for and something that you desire to see church planners do is really have that uh, th- that idea of humility and being a learner. Oh, yeah. And so if you were to give a, a church planner some advice about why they might consider having a mentoring church or a supporting church, what, what are, what are some of the, you know, from your heart, what are some of the things that you feel are important about that? Well, I think, I think a lot of church planners are young and rightly so it's, it kind of is a young man's game because you need to have a young family that can adapt to, you know, difficult environments and, Frankly, you just need a lot of energy, and so it's a uh, lot that, of work. It's a lot of work, and that's why you know it's a young men are attracted to it. But one of the things that young pastors tend to undervalue a, cu- a couple things. One, one is they they undervalue institutions, and they kind of think institutions are useless bureaucracies that are not valuable, and that's just wrong thinking. And so institutions like our seminaries, our state conventions, our mission boards are extremely valuable and extremely interested in the success right. of young pastors and church planners. The second thing is I think young pastors tend to undervalue veteran pastors and veteran leaders because maybe they haven't kept up with the latest trends. Maybe they're getting a little long in the tooth. Maybe they're a little out of date or their methods are a little bit stale. But I think the wisdom of veteran leadership in terms of their marriage, in terms of their family, in terms of preaching and teaching, just in terms of basic everyday leadership issues, I think are extremely valuable. So if I could speak to a young church planner, I would say that don't undervalue institutions, don't undervalue veteran leaders. Well, and also the coaching that they receive. I mean, that's just invaluable. And I mean, how many times have our church planners come to us with issues, problems? I mean, just you know, complaints from church members. How do you handle this? Yeah, you're going to. I mean, seminary. You're going to learn a lot in seminary, but you know, there's a lot of things that seminary doesn't prepare us for. And the relational issues that you might run into, the financial issues, some of those things are really important. And frankly, when you're in seminary, you can't receive it. You can put somebody there to tell you, oh, well, watch out for this situation. But you're trying to get out of class. You're falling asleep. <laughs> you're thinking about something else. You're Googling on your iPad. You're not paying attention because you're not in the fire. But when these church planners come and sit in your office or my office, they're in the fire. They're really ready to listen. Yeah. Jimmy, if if you were sitting down, maybe, maybe you had a young man, maybe a couple in your office, and they they were considering church planting. And, you know, maybe they're looking at the map. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to plant? What type of advice would you give them? I mean, it, that's a big decision. It is. You know, this this may not sound very spiritual, but my number one thing I'd ask them is, where do you want to go? I think they ought to go somewhere that it's exciting to them, somewhere where they has an appeal to them, somewhere that stirs their heart, that stirs their imagination, somewhere where they think that they can go on a great adventure with them and with their family. And, you know, you and I talk about South Florida being our mission field because you and I both earlier in our lives contemplated spending the rest of our lives on the foreign mission fields. And you and I would both do that today if God called us. But God's called us here. And so this is our mission field. we got to see it like that. There's some things about South Florida that you and I are really not culturally suited for. I don't know if anyone's listened to our accent, but it's a little (laughs) noticeable in South Florida. And people ask me almost daily, now, where are you from? And I say, I'm from here. And they go, no. Right. Okay. So look, it doesn't matter. We're on the mission field and you've got to have a perspective where you see your field 
as a great adventure for you and for your wife and for your children. If you don't see it that way, boy, it's going to beat the snot out of you and you're going to end up wounded and exhausted. Well, Jimmy, a lot of our pastors, they look at their city, they look at their county and they're burdened. Oh yeah. Right. Should be. They should be. There's a lot of lostness. There's a lot of people that are far from God and maybe they can't do a campus launch. Maybe they can't do a church planting residency. But one of the things that they would love to get in the game on is actually supporting and working with church planters. Is there any advice that you have for for maybe a church that would like to get in the game and work with some pastors like this that are young that want to get into the game? Maybe they've been hit up and say, hey, would you give us right. some money? But w- what are some things that churches and pastors can do beyond just writing the check? Well, one thing I think the pastors of established churches ought to plug in to these networks that we're talking about. Tie up with your state convention. Tie up with your local association. Tie up with the North American Mission Board. The North American Mission Board actually has an entire system for mobilizing church planting and church strengthening churches. And if you give them a call or go on their website, you can find out how to do that. Another thing they could do is they could just go to our website right here at familychurchnetwork.com, email us, check out our blog, look at what we're doing, and come and see us in South Florida. Come to our Sharper Conference. Come see what we're doing. We will help. If you don't know how to get plugged into church planting and you're an established pastor, established church, you you come and you contact us, you come see us, and we will definitely help you do that. Hey, look, this is going to conclude this episode of our Church for the Rest, Rest of Us podcast. I hope that this is helpful to you. And if you're a pastor or a church leader or a layperson and this podcast is helpful to you, I would love for you to share it with a friend or share it with your pastor, share it with a buddy, share it with a pal. We would love for you to help get this information in the hands of as many people as possible because we believe in strengthening local churches because Steve Wright and Jimmy Scroggins and Family Church, we love the Bride of Christ. So thank you guys for joining us for this episode of our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.